0: hello everyone and welcome to the ultimate sports mashup where we discuss insane sports matchups that would only happen in our wildest dreams we each select one of the very best sports teams in history and match them against each other to see who would come out on top from the pros to the underclassmen football basketball and everything in between with a totally even playing field before us and our imaginations to help us guide our respective claims who do you think would be the ultimate champion West plays the inbound. Pattier gets it in. Here's... James on the draw. For the win. You can't double yet. Now you can quickly. First jumper. Good 3.6 seconds left. Larry Bird gives the Boston Celtics a two-point lead. puts up the three. Will go. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. His three-point. Five seconds
1: remaining! Put the ball on a place, not being guarded. It goes to Bird. Bird up fakes, Bird takes the shot. It's gone!
0: it's gone! Oh my
1: goodness! I can't believe it! It is gone from the corner! Oh my! What a magnificent finish to this ball game! Bird! Bird from the corner! Bird!
0: And welcome to the Ultimate Sports Mashup. My name is Jay, your host, and as always sitting across from me, I have Cam. How are you doing today, Cameron?
1: What's up, Jay? I'm doing good, brother. Good to talk to you, uh, as always. We're just cruising along here, man. Episode 16, so I don't know. It doesn't quite have the same ring as 15, but I'm more pumped about this one, I think, maybe just because of the lineups that we're talking about. But everything is good over here. Got a sand volleyball game later, so I'm getting ready for that. Um, how are you
0: bro? I'm doing great. We got a couple of bona fide all-time great teams today. We are back in the NBA. We are talking a couple NBA champions today. You know we're not messing around with any Mr. Triple Doubles or you know Elite A or Final Four teams. You know these are some of the best of the best that have ever played. We're celebrating the NBA Finals which as of this recording, just finished last night and uh, you, you bet your hometown boys, your Wisconsin boys are happy that the Milwaukee Bucks have come out on top four to two bucks and six, baby. <laughs> that was a
1: good series, man. And shoot, down two zero, they came back. You know, Giannis balled out. He, he totally balled out. I was talking a little smack to uh, one of my buddies, actually a big Bucks fan. I'm like, hey, if Giannis can hit some shots... Some free throws, they have a chance. And I think he missed one free throw, maybe two. So yeah, we brought one home to Wisconsin.
0: Seventeen for eighteen. Uh yeah, it's a, that's pretty good from the line. You know, he, he rose to the challenge and he, I mean, he he did it. You know, and I I mean they could t- I mean I'm so happy it happened for him. he, he seems like such a genuine superstar like just a just a nice guy and so like I'm, I'm happy for Giannis, absolutely yeah
1: he totally just seems like a nice guy you got him and middleton came up together did you see um mm-hmm. when Giannis you know was out celebrating or whatever he went to uh, to, uh chick-fil-a and he got a 50 piece
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> went to chick-fil-a got the 50 piece and the girl at the drive-thru had no idea who he was. Oh, it was fantastic. Such a good moment. <laughs>
1: what an MVP move right there, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure he had the MVP trophy in his lap while he was driving <laughs> to Chick-fil-A. I would. He was sitting there talking to her and, <laughs> and and had the MVP trophy in his lap. And so, yeah, I mean, he's just... So humble, so good, and I mean, I, we will make a point of talking about this Bucks team someday. You know, maybe not right away, but you know, at some point, we'll let it age a little bit, and uh, we will be circling. We 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 will be circling back to Giannis. But now today, talking about a couple of, uh, I I dare say, villains of the NBA, huh, Cam?
1: You think so? Are you, are you talking about, um,
0: you know, Celtics,
1: Miami, or are you more like LeBron Bird as in villains?
0: LeBron and Bird. I mean, LeBron obviously post Miami, post Cleveland has kind of, he, you know, I think people are a little lighter on LeBron now than they were, you know, post the decision, of course. Right. And, and Bird, you know, I mean, everybody loved magic, right? And so Bird was the guy that you know the part of the part of the Celtics dynasty that kept ruining it for the Lakers and the Ma- and and Magic Johnson so you know like both of these guys have sort of that that the the villain aura I think um and so yeah, yeah we're going to be pitting the 2012 2013 Miami Heat versus the 1985 86 boston celtics today
1: yeah this is gonna be a good one like jay was saying um i I mean i gotta agree with you on the villain thing we talked about a little bit before the show i mean you know bird was bird was the guy who was an interesting player an unorthodox player that got under a lot of people's skin who thought they were better than him but you know his his three mvps will tell you otherwise and same with lebron his nba championships his domination will tell you otherwise but yeah, what what better uh, episode here? We got Bron. Space Jam Two just dropped. Um, <laughs> me and Jay were talking about that. We didn't quite get around to watching it yet, but it's for sure gonna be on my uh, my must watch list. I love the first one so much that I doubt I'll hate the second one.
0: To to be to be fair to our audience, you know, we decided on this matchup pretty last minute. You know, I, I was kind of hoping you know for for a bucks sweep because then you know we would have had time to be able to study this bucks team and be able to present about it and argue about it but they had to push it to 6 and so you know we had to uh go with some some alternates well but you know we picked uh we picked this Miami Heat team and and realized oh man you know LeBron's in the news too you know he uh He's uh, coming out with Space Jam was the number one movie at the box office last weekend. So, you know, I mean, it's... Welcome, King James. I'm a cartoon? And I'm about... 20 minutes in I started it right before recording and um yeah it uh it was interesting um <laughs> Le- LeBron uh, does his best acting I think when you can tell he's not uh taking it too seriously but you know it's it's about, you know, Michael Jordan acting level so far. We'll see when it gets... I haven't gotten to the point where he has to voice act for his own character as a cartoon. Right. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's Space Jam. I'm not going to, like, right. analyze it further than that. So, like, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, me too. And I'm definitely going to... I think you said it was on HBO Max, but I think me and Alex are mm-hmm. going to... Um, we're going to go to the theater for that one. It's been so long that... We're, you know, we're itching to go out, so that might be the one.
0: Today's LeBron, all the way back from the Miami days, talking about a championship team from eight years ago already. It feels like he was just with the Miami Heat. But the reason you know we want to talk about this Heat team is because, like, for me personally, you know, I, I'm going to be representing the Heat today. By the way, the, this was the height of my NBA fandom you know, it was right in my, my later high school years. And so, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I liked watching LeBron play, you know, I didn't care about the decision. I just liked seeing the best players play. And so, and LeBron was the best of the best. And so, yeah, I had, I had a great time watching him play with the heat. And so looking forward to uh, chatting about him today.
1: It definitely was one of my favorite teams. I mean, I, I kind of came into basketball a little bit later. I was just so, you know, infatuated with baseball and football, but I came into basketball a little bit later, and uh, yeah, I mean, what's not to like about LeBron? I still love him. I mean, I still think he's, you know, one, two, definitely top three. There's no way he's outside of that of uh, players of all time, and I don't care about the super teams. I don't care about I don't this or that. I mean, he dominated everywhere he went, including Miami, and uh, it's going to be a good one. I don't know if he has what it takes to take on Larry and my boys, but... You're going to give it your your uh, college try, and I know I will too, so we're going to find out.
0: Yeah, we are going to see. We are going to see. So how today's episode is going to break down is each of us are going to present our teams, our roster, our coaches, our players, you know, give you the lowdown, give you some quick stats, kind of familiarize you, the audience, with both of these teams, even though, you know, these are very well-known teams. We just want to give you a baseline of information. Then the back half is where we're going to make our arguments. We're going to have our claims to fame. I'm going to be vouching for the Miami Heat. Cam is going to be vouching for the Boston Celtics. Why our team would come out on top in a seven-game series against each other. Then we're going to hit our X-Factors, our last pleas as to why our teams would win. And then we're going to find out who would win via the What If Sports Simulator. We are going to pump both of these teams into the sim to find out who would win between the 2012 2013 Miami Heat and the 1985 86 Boston Celtics. Ready to get started, Cam? Let's
1: do it. All right, so we've got uh, a pretty good, a pretty extensive record between these two, which I figured they would be. The Heat have been around for a long time. Obviously, the Celtics one of the founding fathers of the league. They've met 149 times. Boston leads the overall series 86 games to 63. Uh, But this is where things get a little bit closer here. So you break it down into regular season and playoff matchups. In the regular season, they met 126 times. Boston still leads 76 games to 50. Uh, But in the playoffs, Miami has the slight edge there in 13 playoff games. Miami's got the lead 13 to 10. So, um, you know, that's that's good numbers just for us to use in this matchup. Good numbers to see where um, the franchises have started. And uh, speaking of starting dates here, they first met on November 15th, 1988, where Boston won that game 84 to 65. So, yeah, they don't go back uh, to the 50s or the 60s or even the 70s. But the 80s, it's fitting. That's kind of the era that we're talking about, at least the era that I'm talking about. So, yeah, kind of a cool start here. Um, and then with that, shoot, I'll go right into a little bit of the history of my team here and uh, why they were so damn good. What do you got? What do you got to say over there, huh? (laughs)
0: i was just i was gonna say thank you for putting the first meeting in the outline you know cam every week definitely does a little bit more effort than i do in the outline because he always puts together the head-to-head all-time matchups which i appreciate and i was gonna say the first meeting is a nice touch you know that's pretty cool because i mean obviously that's when the miami heat came into existence. It must have been 1988, obviously lost to one of the best teams in the league at the time, because I'm sure the expansion draft wasn't as kind as, um, (laughs) as kind as it was to the NHL Golden Knights we talked about uh, last time. So, but yeah, so I was going to say thanks, but okay, Cam. Thanks, Jay.
1: (laughs) Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I don't think I've, um, I don't think I've done that before. It was just kind of, uh, I went to a different website this time. I think that's what it was.
0: You still a nail biter? Uh, I have a little bit, not, not of late. Well, you've had everybody else biting their nails, so I guess it's time for them to stop chewing. The answer to the question everybody wants to know. LeBron, what's your decision? In um, this fall, man, this is, this is very tough. In um, this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and um, join the Miami Heat. Miami Heat. That was the conclusion you woke up with this morning. That
1: was the conclusion
0: I woke up with this morning.
1: Okay, yeah. So I'm going to talk about Larry Bird and the '85-'86 Boston Celtics. They had a record of 67 and 15, which was good for first in the Eastern Conference Atlantic to vi- Atlantic division. And then here's their, their little preseason spiel that I'm going to give you. Uh, the Celtics were great in the '80s. Everybody knows that, um, but especially in this season here, '85 and '86. You know, these years in the '80s were best known among sports fans, you know, obviously people before us, me and Jay weren't quite born yet, but um, they were best known among sports fans for the intense NBA Finals battles between the Celtics and the Lakers. And both teams traded the NBA trophy multiple times over their long history, including the previous two seasons here. So two years ago, before this in 84, Boston beat LA in seven games in the NBA Finals. And then for the first time ever in 85, LA beat Boston in the NBA finals and it took them six games, you know, so LA got its revenge, but you know, bird never satisfied him. The squad went back and they're like, listen, we're going to win another championship this next year. And we don't care if it's against the Lakers anymore. You know, in fact, we're tired of them, but Larry was godlike in this 86 season. He'd go on to, to secure his third straight regular season MVP award And, you know, I do start with Larry Bird and the Celtics, but the Celtics were a huge part to their success, especially in this year. And there were a handful of all-time great players that made this team super, super special. And, you know, they really helped Bird solidify himself among the best ever. So let's get into the playoffs and then I'll get into, you know, Larry Bird and the rest of that Celtics squad. We'll start with the Eastern Conference first round where they they swept the number 8 ranked uh, Chicago Bulls. And you know, Michael Jordan he got swept. Yes, he did. A lot of people forget. He never went to a game 7, never this, never that. Well, in the 90s that was th- that was the case. In the <laughs> 80s, Larry Bird had just You know, he had more firepower on his squad than what Jordan had at this time. And, you know, granted, Jordan did break his foot this season, the third game of the season. Uh, So right away, he missed 60 plus games, but he came back for the playoffs. He had one game where he scored 49 points. And then there was one game where Jordan scored 63 and they still got swept. So (laughs) just insane. Um, Bird and McHale, who I'll get into, they both averaged 28, uh, 28 28.3 points. You know, they they swept them, not much more to say. Uh, then on to the Eastern Conference semifinals where things got a little more interesting but not not too crazy. Nothing they couldn't handle. They would win four games to one versus the number four Atlanta Hawks. You know, this was the human highlight film uh, and Hall of Famer Dominique Wilkins. They had Spud Webb and Doc Rivers who a lot of NBA fans nowadays will know as a Clippers head coach, Celtics head coach. Um, you know, he was on that squad too. And... The Hawks did win game four, you know, they they had their backs against the wall, they were down 3-0, but really, other than that one win, it, you know, it was pretty ugly, they they beat their ass, and then, uh, you know, to put matters worse, five Celtics players averaged 14 points or more, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to get into that a lot, Larry Bird did his thing, and Jay's going to get into it a lot, Braun did his thing, but, you know, we're going to really get into our supporting cast for each team, because... You know, it's it's not as easy as saying Bird versus Brown. So there's a lot more that we're going to go into, um, and that's going to take me to the Eastern Conference Finals here where, again, you know, the Celtics would sweep. They swept the number two-ranked team, the Milwaukee Bucks. Amazing display of fundamental team basketball. Uh, you know, they get comparisons to, or I should say, the 2000s Spurs team gets comparison to this Celtics team, just the way they moved the ball and how efficient they were. Um, this Bucks team featured Terry Cummings and Hall of Famer Sidney Moncrief, And again, in this series, five different Celtics players averaged 14 points or more. And, uh, you know, four games to zero, obviously, there was a lot of scoring going on. The Bucks were outscored 472 to 412. So, Oof. yeah, that's, you know, you do the math there. That's 15 points a game. That's quite a bit. But now on to the NBA Finals. This is what really matters. This is what I think, um, you know obviously capped off this great historic season for the celtics they won four games to two versus the number two houston rockets went six games it wasn't a sweep so this definitely was you know a more physical matchup a more exciting matchup it wasn't quite the lakers celtics battle that everybody you know wanted predicted and you know were lucky enough to get the last three four five years but it was still a good series filled with some great players You had Rodney McRae, Hall of Famer, Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon, who we've talked about on the show before. Uh, He led his team all year with the help of Hall of Famer, Ralph Sampson. And um, to no one's surprise, Hakeem scored the most points and had the most rebounds in all the playoffs. And uh, yeah, there were some very close games, but they just didn't have enough weapons, you know, enough scoring, enough rebounding to keep up with the Celtics team. Yeah, you know, after, after everything was all said and done, Bird accepted his second Finals MVP. Um, you know, really just putting in work, man. I I really love to watch Bird and uh, Kevin McHale. I'll get into later. They were a great one-two punch. So that caps off their uh, their postseason. There, winning the you know winning the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Now I'll we'll go on to my head coach, who I really I don't want to say shamefully, but now that I look at his resume, I, I wish I knew more about this guy. Uh, head coach Casey Jones. Like many of the other great coaches we talk about, you know, I feel like we say that a lot, but that's how it is. Jones started his career in the NBA as a player. First, he played college ball at the University of San Fran with Hall of Famer and then future teammate, Bill Russell. They won two Natty Championships together in 55 and 56. So obviously, you know, whoever's listening to this, you guys know who Bill Russell is. He's the man most NBA championships. And it started in college. Who would have thought?
0: Yeah, who would have thought? Who would have yeah, thought? Bill Russell winning more <laughs> championships. Insane. How dare he?
1: And then he wins Olympic gold. It never ends with that guy. But uh, Casey <laughs> Jones then was drafted by the Celtics in 1958. He spent nine seasons with the team. And in the nine seasons, he won eight championships. You know, unreal, really. And then Casey started his coaching career. So done in the NBA 1-8 championship, starting his coaching career in 1967 uh, for the NCAA in the Division Three with the Brandeis University. So I think it was a, um, a Jewish-oriented school, um, you know, a smaller school, but he put them on the map after they did so well. After that, went to Harvard as an assistant for a year. Um, you know, I, I think that was kind of his last step to get him into the NBA. It was a little bit of a step up from D3, And then, um, you know, he joined the Lakers as an assistant coach in 1971 before heading to the ABA for a little bit. He coached for a few years and then came back to the NBA um, as an assistant in 1976 with Milwaukee. So there's your little, uh, you know, Milwaukee touch there to to bring it all together with the NBA finals. (laughs) And eventually he would join Boston in 78 as an assistant coach and then became head coach for five seasons from 83 to 88 and then Jones made it to the playoffs every season. He led the team every year along with Larry Bird, and in those five seasons, he won two NBA titles, and then I was talking about some gold medals before, just like uh, Bill Russell. These guys spent a, a lot, a lot of time together. I'm sure that they're really close friends. Casey Jones, one of eight players in NBA history to have won an NCAA championship, an NBA championship, and an Olympic gold medal. So, Pretty sick. And then, uh, yeah, last but not least, he was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in 1989. So, you know, now we're going to get into some numbers, some things that are, you know, extra quantifiable. And, you know, this is the start to our argument. So I'll start here with my point guard, a Hall of Famer, and was on the NBA All-Defensive second team this year. And that's going to be Dennis Johnson. This was his 10th NBA season. He averaged 15.5 points, 5.8 assists, 3.5 rebounds, and just under 1.5 steals. So, yeah, DJ was a great guard who who really helped, I think, take the pressure off Bird, push the ball up quite a bit, you know, on the inbound. so Bird had a chance to set up on the wing, get ready for a pass. And, yeah, I, I really liked the way that DJ played. Really quick guy. You know, I, I think next we'll move on to a guy that another, another name that modern NBA fans should know or do know and that's going to be shooting guard Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge, uh, this was his fifth NBA season. Um, you know, he was a starter. He he did well for this team. He he did well, and he had a spot that, or I'm sorry, he had a, a niche, if you will, that he held on to and he did really well at. So he averaged just over 10.5 points, five assists, three rebounds, and 1.3 steals. And that niche that I was talking about, he was a super scrappy player. Um, you know, I think he was 6'3", 6'4", It's not a really, really big guy, but he made up for it by getting under the other team's skin. And, uh, you know, sometimes he would even get into little fights and scrums with other players who are like, why is this guy talking shit to me? Who is he? But it was great because he would get other players to make stupid penalties and his team would benefit from that. So Danny Ainge really did have, whether he was annoying or not or just a great player, he had a, a spot on this team and he was great at it. On to the starting small forward. We've got our Hall of Famer and NBA first team selection, Larry Bird, seventh NBA season, 25.8 points, just under 10 rebounds, 6.8 assists, and you know, and even two blocks. This I mean, he did it all. He did it all. There are gonna be a lot of comparisons today between Bird and LeBron. That's just they play similar positions. They're the stars of their teams. There are going to be some similarities that we're going to talk about. And then uh, last but not least for Larry, he was the NBA regular season MVP. On to our starting power forward. That's going to be Hall of Famer and NBA All-Defensive first-teamer Kevin McHale. Dude was a beast, man. I I, I really enjoyed watching him play. I don't want to compare him to anybody because I think he was just one of those pure-scoring big guys that... Uh, He was always at the right place at the right time. This was his sixth NBA season, 21.3 points per game, eight rebounds, and then he averaged two blocks. Uh, You know, like I mentioned, pure scoring big man, almost scored as much as Bird in most games. I got two more players for you. They're going to be two of my big guys, starting center, Hall of Famer, and All-Star this year, Robert Parrish. This was his 10th NBA season, averaged just over 16 points, nine and a half rebounds, 1.8 assists and one and a half blocks. Parrish is the big man. Uh, You know, he's going to have to really, he's got his hands full with, uh, with Bosch, with, with LeBron, with your whole bench. Basically your whole bench is pretty big. Um, So he's going to have his work cut out for him, but I think he'll be okay. And then last but not least, Hall of Famer, not an all-star this year. Uh, That's going to be center Bill Walton. This was his ninth NBA season. Uh, 7.6 points, 6.8 rebounds, 2 assists, and 1.3 blocks. And I mentioned he wasn't an all-star, but you know what he was. He was the sixth man of the year. So I had to put him in there, make sure he got a lot of love there. You know, hopefully that wasn't too long, Jay. I know you got a, a really stacked squad and a good story to get into. You know, why don't you get into Bron Brown over there?
0: I think your last two players are definitely going to be interesting additions, and uh, I, I I'm imagining this happening on the court. You know, it would be interesting to see who would actually, you know, play the most minutes too, because you know, like Parish. Uh, you know, I'm looking at it right now: seven one, Bill Walton, six eleven. You know, uh, Chris Bosh is the tallest player on the Heat's team, and he's six eleven. You know, uh, the Heat ran extremely small lineups, and mm-hmm. so it would be interesting to see. You know. Uh, in real life you know what these two teams would look like and and what the game plan would be but yeah i was just thinking about that as you're talking about your big guys there but yeah let me get into the 2012-2013 miami heat let you know everything you need to know about this team so they went 66 and 16 overall earning the first seed in the eastern conference and of course earning the number one seed in the eastern conference playoffs but This team, this was their third season. They were sporting their big three. So this was three years after the decision. LeBron, this was their third straight year going to the NBA Finals. This was the year they were expected to repeat as NBA champions after uh, losing the finals their first year to the uh, Dallas Mavericks, a team that we've actually talked about on on the podcast before. And at this time they were trying to see if they could go back to back NBA champions after beating the OKC Thunder four to one the year prior. They you know really took care of business. but they made some additions in the in the off season. you know, they did not stay you know content with what they had you know they knew they had to continue to get better otherwise teams were going to continue to get better around them and to make up for that difference in skill level so you see acquisitions such as Ray Allen I believe this was the first year that you see Chris Anderson on the team so yeah you know definitely they they weren't they weren't content with one championship so this is their second championship year and the way that they got there I'm going to talk about their playoff run here. Talking about the Bucks. Again, we have a 4-0 sweep again of the Milwaukee Bucks. This was uh Brandon Jennings, Milwaukee Bucks team. I don't know if uh you remember Brandon Jennings at all, Cam.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. I think when I think of the Bucks, he's one of the first ones I think of, like that purple green jersey.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh man, yep. they were looking good. But yeah, this was Brandon Jennings' team. Got swept out of the playoffs as the eight seed. I don't think they had a winning record that year. But going on to the second round, this was a 4-1 series over the Derrick Rose-less Chicago Bulls after he had torn his ACL playoffs the year prior. Uh, so they went an entire season without Derrick Rose at this point. And the Bulls, during the regular season, had actually ended the Heat's 27-game winning streak. Um and had won Game One of the series. You know, I remember the alarm bells going off when the Bulls won Game One of the series. But I, I the Miami Heat took care of business. The you know uh, the superstars stepped up and stepped in. You know, what the Chicago Bulls lacking their superstar really didn't stand much of a chance against the Heat at this point. Moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals, you have a very interesting series. They won 4-3 to three over the Indiana Pacers. This was a duel between Paul George and LeBron James. And, not to mention, these were the years where th- this was the height of Roy Hibbert. Unfortunately, I don't know what happened to. I did not look into it when I was preparing for today's episode. But yeah, Roy Hibbert and Paul George were the key members of that Pacers team. Hibbert was one of the if not the best big man or second best big man next to dwight howard during that time in the league and so it really tested the heat to see if they could stand up to uh, a true center and and they did they prevailed 4 to 3 then in the nba finals of course another 4 to 3 win this would be going to game 7 as well over The San Antonio Spurs. This was the classic trio of Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker, along with a 21-year-old Kawhi Leonard. You know, so that definitely this is like you know one of the prototypical Spurs teams. You know, that were just always great, always in the mix to at least make it to the Western Conference Finals. And and Cam, you know, I I was going to ask you, you know, certainly one of the you know greatest teams of all time right you know that they that the heat did beat in the finals though right
1: oh 100 100 i yeah i think they're the, the best franchise team i think i said that in our spurs episode so yeah
0: yeah so i just wanted you to say it again <laughs> that the miami heat beat the greatest uh dynasty of all time yeah. in the in the nba finals thank you i i just, I just wanted to make sure that was i uh, got your um feelings and thoughts on that correct it's
1: so hard for me to be against that because i am such a lebron i love (laughs) lebron so like that's always my argument is like you know that he beat one of the best teams ever right bastards but yeah yeah so well you you know what
0: i i couldn't make it into an entire claim to fame so i had to i had to do something with it so i just wanted to lay down the groundwork for how great this team is but Let's move on to the coach, let's move on to the players. Head coach Eric Spoelstra. He's just always he's always been the coach of the Miami Heat to me. Like like that, that is the only name I associate with that position. Obviously you have Pat Riley, but like to me it, it's Eric Spoelstra it always has been. He started his basketball career. He played point guard in college for the University of Portland. And another crossover here for you, uh, he played against Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball of the Loyola Marymount Lions. He hey. was a they, they were conference rivals. So, you know, Eric Spolstra playing against those guys back in the day during college. In 1995, Spolstra was hired as the Miami Heat's video coordinator. He has spent his entire NBA career with the Miami Heat. He didn't go assist somewhere else and then come back. You know, it's truly an incredible story. He went from video coordinator, 1995. In 2001, he was bumped up to assistant coach and director of scouting for the team. Wow. And he would win his first NBA championship as an assistant coach in 2006 with Dwayne Wade and Shaq. In 2008, he was Pat Riley's hand-picked successor to become the next head coach. And he be- he became the first ever Asian-American head coach in the NBA. And since then, he has gone on to lead the Heat to five NBA championship series, in which he has won two of them, uh, both with the big three of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. Of course, he also took his team to the finals last season while beating the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals to lose to the LeBron Los Angeles Lakers. Moving on to the roster, the stars of the show. Going to give you some starters here and our sixth man. I'm going to start with power forward, Udonis Haslam. This was his ninth year in the NBA, all with Miami. You know, he was there with Dwayne Wade the entire time, a key part of that franchise, if not always the guy, but he was always there. Uh, He was going for four points per game, five and a half rebounds per game. He's a role player, you know, but he was very effective at what he did. Then we go to the point guard position. We had Mario Chalmers. This was just his fourth year in the NBA. Also all spent with Miami, 8.6 points per game, three and a half assists, one and a half steals per game. Uh, For a guy outside of the big three, that's a pretty good defensive number right there for you. Then you have shooting guard, Ray Allen. This was the sixth man, the guy off the bench every single time. A key part to their small lineup. This was his 16th year in the NBA, but his very first with Miami. Obviously previously started his career with the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, of course, where he won a championship, but he didn't start a game the entire season, but he was still fourth on the team in points per game. So he was still a key part to their success. Eleven points per game, forty-two percent from the three-point line, and eighty-seven percent from the free throw line. Just That's legit. Just a pure shooter, man. Just a pure shooter. You can't knock Ray Allen for his game. You know he played. He played his game, and there was nothing you could do about it. And, you know, there was always, you know, a bigger star around him. It felt like that you had to focus on, which allowed Ray Allen to do his thing. But moving into those stars, shooting guard Dwayne Wade, ninth year in the NBA, just like Udonis, all with Miami, uh, 21.2 points per game, five rebounds, five assists, two steals per game, and just under .8. Just under one block per game as well for a shooting guard. I think that's pretty dang good. Very good defensive player. Uh, definitely gonna be talking about him in a little bit here. Then we have center Chris Bosch. Personally, one of my favorite players of all time. I loved Chris Bosch. I just like I love that he was left-handed. I love the way that he played. Just like I loved the big guy with the mid-range jumper that, you know, could. Make it happen from the short porch. Like, I loved watching Chris Bosh play. I know it's, like, the least popular of the big three. But, yeah, I mean, Chris Bosh, like, I, I loved it when all the pundits and the sports guys said, yeah, it wouldn't work without Chris Bosh. And I was like, yeah. Like, I, I <laughs> You're totally right, man. I totally agree. <laughs> agree. But this was his ninth year in the NBA. Uh, third with Miami, of course, you know, post uh, post-decision time. Uh, he was coming away with 16 and a half points per game, seven rebounds per game, and one and a half blocks per game. Last, but um, the exact opposite of least, uh, we have small forward LeBron James. LeBron James. This was his ninth year in the NBA, third with Miami, 27 points per game, eight rebounds, seven assists, one and a half steals, one block per game absolutely amazing numbers and you know and obviously we've talked about oscar robertson and russell westbrook on this show before so like you know the numbers aren't triple double numbers but they're still absolutely wild and those numbers accompanied with the numbers of Dwayne wade chris bosh is is ludicrous so this team overall you know like uh, was they these players and Pat Riley and Eric Volstra you know you can you could say like the decision was bad like the TV program of the decision was a very bad idea <laughs> but this team coming together the way that you know and the way that they did you know eh, they, they easily could have fallen apart gone their separate ways the after they went nine and nine to start their first season you know the, the first season together, they could have fired Eric Spoelstra, blew up the whole thing, called a reset, but they didn't. They worked it out. They figured out how to work together, and you know they, they. And I'm saying this in the face of you know Giannis's Milwaukee Bucks team winning their championship. You know where you know it feels like this homegrown thing, but you know the Miami Heat just did it in South Beach fashion, and you know I am happy to uh, go to bat for them today against your Celtics team. But that sums up the 2012-2013 Miami Heat, what you need to know about them.
1: Just a fun team, dude. It's funny, I didn't really, I mean, I think you've talked about Chris Bosh before, but I didn't know you liked him that much. And I am sorry, because he's going to be the one that I'm going to just, you know, blow into today, because... He is the weakest of the three, <laughs> you know. I, I personally, I think he's the weakest of the three. He definitely was a great third piece, and I enjoyed watching him too because you don't get that very often. First off, the left-handed shooter, and one that was was as big as he was. I think you said he's just about seven foot, right? Six eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, without without him, I don't think it would have worked. You know, Ray Allen couldn't have been your third guy. Haslam just didn't quite have the ability to be your third guy. So.
0: City it's a pity, half of y'all won't make it. Me, I gotta plug, special I got it made. If Jesus paying LeBron, I'm paying three dice
1: three card yeah, they, no, to Wade. Three fun team to watch, but this I'm gonna go into my first claim to fame here, and that is I I you labeled it the real big three, but you know, I, I've said that before. So I can't keep saying it's that every disrespectful. time. disrespectful. It, it is
0: it's, it's disrespectful, Cameron.
1: You know, you kind of look at the history of the NBA and you look at where it went, you know, where it started in the 80s until now, super teams were still a thing. I mean, you had, like, the 75-76 Philadelphia Sixers team. You had, you know, Irving on that team. You had, you know, obviously this Celtics team. You had the Magic would be classified as a super team, you know, they could argue. So, you know, the Heat were a super team, but this was the originals. And I'm going to go into why here. So, um, you know, they were this big three and this Celtics team in general, they were highly regarded as one of the best passing teams in NBA history and undoubtedly the best passing team of this season. And you can break down the numbers. I mean, on the assists and who's passing the ball and all that stuff to see who really is the most efficient or the most past the best passing team. But these guys were unselfish. They passed the ball when it mattered. They were always looking for, that, that extra pass to set up an easy shot. And that's why they were the best passing team in NBA history. And and it was fast break, like I was telling Jay before. It was half court offense. So it was in transition. It wasn't just, okay, Larry Bird's at the point or uh, Devin Johnson did. I'm sorry, Dennis Johnson's at the point. Then we're going to pass it out and pass it back in and pass it out. You know, it was making your cuts, passing to the open man, passing the unopen man to get open. So, I, I mean, just. Fundamental basketball—that's what each team should learn or should talk about. You know, whenever they're trying to figure out what their identity is. And these guys, it was passing the ball, it was finding the open man. Um, And like I said, much like Popovich's uh, Spurs teams, just in that way, poetry in motion. But these three players here—Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish you know—they were a huge part of of that passing and of those assist numbers. Uh in fact they were second in the NBA in total assists as a team with 2387 where Miami was 7th so still top 10 but they only had 1890 assists. So again that that doesn't just happen by one guy taking the shot, Larry Bird taking every shot. I mean he'd he'd have to shoot 80%. It's everybody passing the ball, doing their job. So I'm going to start with the first of the big 3. It makes sense. We got Larry Bird, a.k.a. Larry Legend, a.k.a. The Great White Hope. <laughs> I never heard that one before, so that was funny. Um, <laughs> have you ever heard that, The Great White Hope?
0: No, I've never heard that before. I um, saw that in the outline. I was like, what are you talking about? Cam? Yeah,
1: yeah, they got it on a basketball reference. But So, uh, you know, The Great White Hope, he's a Hall of Famer, 12-time All-Star, three-time All-Defensive Team, three-time regular season MVP, like I mentioned, all in a row, by the way three-time NBA champion in 81, 84, and this season in 86. And he was a two-time finals MVP in 84 and this season in 86. He also had 10 triple doubles this season, which led the NBA. In a comparison, we know how great LeBron is on all f- in, in all facets of the game. Uh, LeBron only had four triple doubles in his 2012 season. Only. Yeah, I know it sounds like nothing compared to his 10, but four is four is amazing (laughs) still it really is um and then i got four numbers here in this 85 86 season for bird he was fourth in total points scored with 2115 again just a comparison braun i didn't know his ranking but he scored 2036 points not a huge difference that you know that really isn't a huge difference um, but still just the clips that Larry was scoring was nuts. Larry was seventh in total rebounds in the whole NBA with eight hundred and five compared to LeBron's six hundred and ten. And uh Bosch had even less than six hundred and ten, so I didn't bring him up in that uh in that argument there. And then two more things, five hundred and fifty-five assists for Larry to Bronze five fifty-one. Again, I mentioned that more as Um, just to see how close it is in comparison, I'm not gloating about six more assists because, you know, LeBron could have gotten that in one game realistically. Um, and then Bird was Mm -hmm. first in the NBA in his free throw percentage at, uh, just over 89%. So right up there with Ray Allen, you know, D Wade and Bron weren't too close, but Larry Bird was another pure shooter. And, and, you know, one of the most interesting to watch, I just can't say it any otherwise, just. Super interesting, the way that he scored the basket. I mean, pump fakes, spin moves, uh, ball fakes. Uh, He just, he did everything. He made guys look silly. So um, here, I'm going on to number two in the big three. That's Kevin McHale, Um, again, Hall of Famer, seven-time All-Star, six-time All-Defensive Team, two-time sixth man of the year. So he didn't always start, which I thought was a great little tidbit there. His numbers show that he could and should start on any team, but he didn't always start. So, uh, you know, Kevin McHale, bad motherfucker. Uh, three-time NBA champ, again, 81, 84, and 86. And then in this season that I'm talking about, he, you know, he did. He, it's no question. He he often played second fiddle to Larry Bird, but McHale thrived in that role. I mean, he, he enjoyed it. I think he's one of the guys that really... Wouldn't enjoy if the spotlight was on him entirely. So sure, it was on Bird. That's fine. He was second on the team in minutes played right behind Bird. And I mentioned before, he even outscored Bird on on multiple occasions, including, you know, big playoff games, which we'll get into a little bit later. But this season, uh, 21.3 points per game. That was 16th in the NBA uh, in the NBA, and those twenty-one point three points were more than Wade and Bosh. Really, more than D Wade. I think D Wade averaged twenty-one point two points, <laughs> but but still.
0: yeah, I I I think it was very close. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, it it really didn't matter, but but you know it it was close. Just to show, um, like I said, he he played second fiddle, but he could have started on this Miami Heat team, or at least put in a lot of minutes. Um, he was eleventh in blocks with one hundred and thirty four. Just a comparison, uh, Bosch was their big man. He only had 101 blocks. And then McHale in the playoffs, he did even better. 24.9 points per game, 8.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 2.5 blocks. And comparing to Miami Heat playoffs in this year, only LeBron averaged more points than McHale. You know, LeBron, I think, had 25 or 26. So McHale was just putting in work, man. He just, God, I don't know, another fundamental guy. I think that's a common theme in the 60s and 70s and 80s, right? It's it's fundamental because you're still new to the league. There aren't as many little tricks. Um, you haven't been around for as long to pick up tricks along the way. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's just how he was. He's just a smooth-looking player. And then last of the big three, we got big man Robert Parrish, Hall of Famer, nine-time All-Star four-time NBA champ, again, the first three were with Bird and McHale in those three seasons, and then he actually won his last one with the Bulls in 1997, and I, I totally forgot about that. So, shame on me. Yeah,
0: I did I did not know that. Yeah, and I watched the last dance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then uh, in the 85-86 season, Parrish was 10th in the NBA in total rebounds with 770, and 10th in rebounds per game at nine and a half. Again, Bosch only 501 rebounds, six and a half rebounds per game. Not quite, you know, not quite at his level there, to be honest. And then Parrish was 10th in field goal percentage as a big man. Really not too difficult. Uh, it's a lot of post moves, especially back in the day, but you still gotta make them. And then uh, you know, last but not least, we gotta look at the all-time career numbers for for Parrish because he's got 14,715 career rebounds. That's 10th all time. So that's gonna hold true for quite a while there, um, and I'll leave you with th- with this, Jay. The twin towers of Parrish and Mikhail, and then I'll, I sprinkle in Walton there because he, you know, whether he's super athletic or not, he's a big body. They're gonna be hard to to handle, and they prove they might prove to be too much for LeBron and Chris Bosh.
0: Yeah, no, you, you got to respect it. And I mean, all of these names were names I knew going in. Obviously, Larry Bird, I'm pretty familiar with, but Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, names I knew, but hadn't really seen play, you know, and so diving into the film, it was a lot of fun to get to see them do their thing and to see how fast the Celtics team was. You know, I think Larry Bird, I think slow, lanky, really good shooter, you know, just made incredible things happen and you... You don't expect it out of, you know, the person you see in front of you. But this team was uh, was incredible, you know, and it goes back to those assist numbers that you started with. But I'm going to get into my big three here. And my claim to fame is superior star power. My stars outweigh, outrank, outbox, outmatch your three stars, I think, based on what they've done who they are, and where they rank in all-time greatness. So I'm going to start with Dwayne Wade. First of all, 2006 Finals MVP. So, you know, he's not the star of this team. He's not the LeBron James, but he's capable. So I just want to start with that point. 13-time All-Star, 36th all-time in career points per game at 22 points per game. 30th all-time in career steals with 1,620. From 2011 to 2014 was the height of his efficiency while he had other star players surrounding him. He ranked 20th, 19th, and 8th in the NBA in field goal percentage in these three seasons. And obviously, guaranteed Hall of Famer. This season that we're talking about, he was all NBA third team, where he was uh, earned two steals per game, which was good for sixth in the NBA, 552 two-point field goals, which was good for 11th in the NBA, and 21.2 points per game, which was good for eighth in the NBA. So you have two top 10 scorers on your team. You're looking pretty good points per game-wise. Then we go on to Chris Bosch inducted into the Hall of Fame earlier this year in May and obviously Cam being the older team is going to have a few more Hall of Famers coming out of the ranks but you know Chris Bosh, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Ray Allen four bona fide guaranteed if not already there in the Hall of Fame. He's an 11-time All-Star in a 13-year career so he only missed the All-Star game two times but in his 13-year career He had, he became 81st all time in career rebounds, 7,592. I'd say that's pretty good for someone that only played 13 years in the NBA. You know, big guys, you know, most of them don't, you know, don't particularly have a long tenure. Chris Bosh, obviously, unfortunately was cut off due to health problems, but you know, he got out of the game and he is healthy. He's alive today. You know, so I think he'd say, you know, that is, that is well worth it, but Still, an incredible career with 47th all-time in defensive rebounds. That's 5,665 for you. 95th all-time in points scored with 17,189. During the 2012-2013 season, like Cam said, 101 blocks, which was 20th in the NBA. 1.7 blocks per game was actually good for 17th in the NBA. So if you're looking at a per-game perspective, a little bit better. Uh, He had a 535 field goal percentage, which was good for 14th in the NBA, 11th in two point field goal percentage. So very efficient player. Definitely, you know, you you see a couple more years tacked on, you know, you're talking about all of these numbers getting getting bumped up those ranks going up by 1020, who knows. Gosh, I, I I love Chris Bosch. I like I, I I wish I had uh gotten to see him play a bit more, but you know, I, I definitely appreciate him. And like I know I know Cam's gonna come after him because he's weak link is not the right word for him. No. That. The thing is that he is the glue that holds it together. You know, like if they don't have a big guy that is a Hall of Famer, then this big three doesn't work. If it's a Hall of Famer point guard you know, th- this three does not function the same way. You know, they need someone to be able to stand up to Roy Hibbert or Dwight Howard or Bill Walton or Robert Parrish, you know, whoever it might be. But yeah, so Chris Bosch is a key part here. LeBron James, star of Space Jam to A New Legacy, <laughs> future Hall of Famer, 17 time All Star. Four-time NBA MVP, regular season MVP, including the year that we're talking about, is a near unanimous vote. I think Carmelo Anthony of the New York Knicks stole one vote, one first-place mm-hmm. vote away from him. Four-time NBA Finals MVP, including the year we're talking about. So every time he's he's won the finals, he's been the MVP of his team. 13-time All-NBA First Team Five-time All-NBA defensive team, once again, including this year that we're talking about. For his career, he has 28.7 points per game, sixth all-time. Nine rebounds per game, 7.2 assists per game, 1.7 steals per game, 0.9 blocks per game. For his career, you know these are numbers that players only dream of to get for one season, and he's he's done it over the course of his entire career, and he's still going. By the way, you know he led the NBA in assists last year. Uh, third all time in career points, 18th all time in career rebounds, eighth all time in career assists, second all time in player efficiency rating. This season that we're talking about today, All NBA Defensive Team, All NBA First Team, 26.8 points per game, which is good for fourth in the NBA, 16th most defensive rebounds in the entire league. Eighth most assists in the league. Twelfth most steals in the league. First in field goals made. Second in effective field goal percentage. Fifth in straight up field goal percentage. First in player efficiency. I really don't know how else to put it except you're talking about one of the top two, at worst, top three players of all time. Larry Bird is great. Larry Bird is a top five forward, a top. 20 guaranteed top 15 possibly player of all time but there is an extra layer of greatness that surrounds lebron james that i think i hope comes out in the what if sports simulator but i'm going to finish this point off with some head-to-head stats between these big three versus the entire starting five for the boston celtics you're talking 41 all-star appearances versus 34 combined all-star appearances just from my big 3 versus the entire starting 5 for the Boston Celtics. 2012-2013 LeBron versus 85-86 Bird. He beat him by 1 points per game, 26.8 to 25.8. He beat him in assists 7.3 to 6.8. He beat him in two-pointer field goal percentage, 602 to 506. And even though LeBron technically is losing in this capacity at a 0.406 to 0.423, I would have thought that this gap would have been much bigger based on what I know about these players. But the fact that he's only behind Larry Bird in 2% of three-point field goal percentage is honestly pretty incredible to me. So that is what I will leave you with. My three beat your big three that's my claim to fame number one.
1: It's close man it it is really really close. I think this is the best like big three versus big three that we've had you know we had a, a couple good ones in our hockey episodes but I think this is for sure our best three versus three in the NBA and it's you know they're all like relatively the same position players which I think that's why this works even better. Shoot, yeah. And and we talked about before. I I have LeBron in the top three, if not this the, you know, number two player of all time, depending on maybe how Kevin Durant finishes out, but still. Yeah, dude, that's that's crazy. And and at least yeah, LeBron's three point percentage, it's close, it's really there, but for LeBron, people knocking his three point shooting, especially this season and still now, I mean that's those are great numbers, but all right, so we're going uh, claim to fame number two, and this is gonna be after hearing about Jay's big three. I'm gonna need something from, you know, my veteran core, my, you know, mostly my bench players. So we're gonna start here, uh, my real strong veteran core, and I say real because you know Jay's team has a lot of NBA veterans like Juwan Howard, Richard Lewis, Mike Miller, Shane Battier, but none of them are going to be future Hall of Famers. Um, they they played great. They were all role players, but not quite the role players that I have right here. And Jay's nodding his head. He's, you know, it's he's seeing, he's, he's all right with it, but he probably doesn't agree totally. <laughs> um, but I'm going to start with Bill Walton. I already said this is his ninth season, played in 80 games, which these 80 games were the most in his career. So he kind of you know, he was he was revitalized by this team. Um, you know, this was his second to last season, but playing with them gave him life. And, and he gave the Celtics everything he had at the end. They picked him up just before this season. And uh, yeah, I mean, everything just fell into place for him. Two-time All-NBA team player, two-time All-Defensive team selection. Uh, he was the block, rebound, NBA champion, and finals MVP in 1977. He was the NBA MVP in his earlier years in 1978, and then sixth year, like I mentioned, in this season. And he, he played a huge role in the regular season in the playoffs when, you know, Parrish and McHale were on the bench. And uh, it, it can't go unstated just how good he really was and in, in the spark that he gave this team. Then you've got Dennis Johnson. You know, this was his 10th season. He was a starter, so he started in 78 games, but he's still a veteran that that helped hold this team down five-time all-star two-time all-nba selection nine-time all-defensive team three-time nba champ uh 78 79 finals mvp so before this he was in the limelight you know it wasn't bird at that time it was dennis johnson and you know he would dj was a strong defender he matched up with any guards and most forwards and you could tell the team really trusted him and You know, because of his effort and because of how fundamental he was, he gave the Celtics a real chance to win every game and he could defend your best player, plain and simple. So, you know, I haven't mentioned Wade that much and it's honestly because I think DJ could handle D-Wade pretty pretty good. I think they would be, you know, it would be a great battle to see them. That one I can actually put into words and make it real. Bird versus uh, LeBron, we could see it happening, but I see... You know, Dennis Johnson versus D-Wade being more of an impact, uh kind of give and take, you know, point guard versus point guard. And then lastly, Scott Wedman. This guy played a bunch still. He started in 19 games, but he played in just about 80 games. This was his 12th season, two-time All-Star, 74-75 all-rookie team, 1979-80 all-defensive team, two-time NBA champ. He averaged eight points, just over two rebounds and one assist. This was his last or second to last season as well. And then just another guy you could trust with the ball at mostly any time. You know, you definitely want, um, you know, you want Dennis Johnson and you want bird handling the ball in the later minutes, but this guy could do it. He's played in big games. Um, he played in just under 18 minutes a game. So it wasn't like he was playing in five, six, seven minutes. You know, he, he played a lot, came off the bench strong and he was able to keep the games close when bird and Johnson were on the bench. And, uh, You know, just to prove that he did more than just come in for a few minutes a game. He had a 35% uh, three-point percentage this season. So, uh, he did work.
0: Yeah, that's definitely... I mean, you're talking about three guys that are absolutely key to, you know, the Boston Celtics' success. But my argument is that I think the Miami Heat, you know, their role players go actually a little bit deeper than you think. And so, that's why my... You know, I I don't think it's coincidence that our, you know, claims of fame's match here, but I'm going to go with my supporting cast as well. So I'm going to start with Ray Allen and Shane Battier. Allen, obviously, Hall of Famer, coming off the bench, two-time NBA champion, 10-time All-Star. I just want to talk about some of the stats for the Miami Heat. I just want to, like, show the the difference that he made from 2011-2012 to 2012-2013. Three-point field goals made, they went from 20th in the league to third in the league. Three-point field goal percentage, they went from 10th in the league to second in the league. That is an instant change that Ray Allen brought to this team. And another interesting stat I wanted to throw out there, the seasons that we're talking about, the Heat versus the Celtics, three-point attempts. The Miami Heat had 1,809 three-point attempts. The Celtics had 393, <laughs> and three points made, the Heat had 717 to the Celtics, 138. I didn't realize, you know, obviously that's like a, how the game is played change, you know, obviously we're shoot, we must be shooting way more three-pointers today than we were in the 80s, obviously, you know, based on these numbers, because the rankings weren't too different, if I remember it correctly. Right. But I think it's fair to say that the Miami Heat could just shoot the Celtics straight off the court. You know, like as good as Larry Bird is at shooting, you have an entire team of three point shooters here. Which, speaking of which, Mike Miller, this was his 12th season in the NBA, a journeyman who played in the NBA for a total of 16 years. And he may not be Kerr or Korver, but he had a 40% career three point percentage and In the year that we're talking about, shot 42%. So, you know, an excellent shooter. Now a guy I'm particularly excited about, Chris Anderson, a.k.a. the Birdman. He brought an energy, a toughness to this team. And while Ray Allen was brought on to spread the floor, Birdman was brought on to control the paint and play defense. He had five points per game, four rebounds, one and a half offensive rebounds per game, one block per game in 15 minutes per game you know he is an efficient player and what speaks the most of that is he had the league best field goal percentage in the playoffs with an 81% field goal percentage in Damn. the NBA in the NBA playoffs that year that's incredible hell yeah you know this guy came in made the right decisions and i mean i'm watching him play and he's flying You know, he is a big guy that's flying across the floor to make the defensive play to get the rebound when he's on there. You know, he's giving every ounce of energy he has to this team, you know, so I think him versus Bill Walton is going to be a great time. You know, (laughs) you got a couple absolutely fantastic bench, sixth men, big guys going head to head. I think that's going to be fantastic. Lastly, we have Mario Chalmers, our point guard, two-time NBA champion, defensively sound player, and a good facilitator while LeBron is not on the floor. Uh, one and a half steals per game this season, which is good for 20th in the NBA, and one and a half steals per game for his career, which is good for a top 100 number. Uh, and steal percentage, which is an interesting stat, is the estimate of the percentage of opponent possessions that end in a steal while this player is on the floor. He's 23rd all-time in the NBA with 3% for his career. So, you know, when Mario Chalmers is on the floor, one in every 30 possessions could potentially is mo- most likely going to end up in a steal by Mario Chalmers, you know, and so uh, that is what I think helps Dwayne Wade be a better defender. What allows LeBron to be a better defender is Mario Chalmers being the first guy up, being the guy defending an opposing point guard. So yeah, I think that core, you know, goes a little bit deeper than the Celtics, you know, veteran core does. And so that is why I'm going with my supporting cast for my claim to fame number two
1: i love the numbers man i uh i think mario chalmers is a super underrated player i think Birdman is an underrated player too in in sorts i mean he's kind of one of those guys that is known for rebounding he wasn't going to do much more but high field goal percentage you love to see that but um yeah mario chalmers that's a those steal numbers that's enough to uh yeah i think that might be enough to sway some of our listeners in your direction Jake. On a thousand dollars on the jump shot rocking some dress shoes no shirt on i'm like bird from the corner um, before they get to carry away, I want to go back to my X factor here. So I, I'm going to swing things back in my direction and, and yeah, Jay, I think maybe you have a couple bench players that, you know, had really good years and, and were really good pieces to your team, but you know, I do too. I couldn't get into quite all of them, but You know, I do have five of my starters compared to your three starters who are able to put in numbers in all facets of the game, every game. And what I mean by that is I've got five Celtics players who average 10 points or I'm sorry, who average 10 and five in one way or another. So either it's 10 points, five assists, 10 points, five rebounds, whatever it is. And my X factor here is consistency is key. So you got Larry Bird averaging 25.8 points, 6.8 assists. Kevin McHale, 21.8 points, 8 rebounds. Robert Parrish, 16 points, 9.5 rebounds. Dennis Johnson, 15.5 points, just under 6 assists. And you've got Danny Ainge, 10.5 points, just over 5 assists. So you've got 5 starters that... You know, you don't even really need to use the bench players when you don't have to. For one, their minutes are always up every game, so you know you're not going to really worry about them tiring out too much. Yes, this Miami Heat team is, is a lot quicker, but um, when you have all five starters that are averaging 10-5, and five, it's great. And then uh, just in comparison, only Braun, Wade, and Bosh were doing that. I mentioned that. Um, the top three players on my team in field goal percentage combined for 54 uh, 0.2% and Jays combined for 54% right on the dot so again that's not talking shit that's not going to help me but that's just another comparison um, for field goal percentage there for top three and top three and then these two numbers I think really epitomize and bring together how this is a Celtics team not just a Larry Bird enthused team this is everybody together the Celtics were 40 and one at home Forty and one, one loss. Uh, those forty wins was a home NBA record, which was matched by the twenty eighteen. I'm sorry, that was matched by the twenty sixteen San Antonio Spurs. Forty and one is dominant. I know Jay mentioned a twenty seven game win streak for the Heat. That is great, um, but you know I think this forty and one is going to help me for when we get to the uh, to our simulator. And then last but not least. Celtics average 114 points per game to the Miami Heat 104 points per game.
0: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it that all five starters here are contributing more than all five starters for the Miami Heat. I think, you know, definitely there's a bit more reliance on our big three and a lot more reliance on players six through eight through nine even as well. You know, you had definitely key players like Ray Allen and Shane Battier that came up big in the playoffs that, you know, if they hadn't been there in the moments that they were there, they don't win the NBA Finals. Right. Let me get into mine, which honestly is pretty similar. I'm going to talk about efficiency. I'm going to talk about percentages. They had three players in the top 20 of field goal percentage this year. LeBron James was fifth, Dwayne Wade 19th, and Bosch 14th. So your top three are incredibly efficient. You have three players in the top 20 of three-point field goal percentage. Shane Battier was sixth in the league. Ray Allen, 15th. And Mike Miller, 17th. Obviously, I just talked about, you know, we're shooting a lot of threes. We're making a lot of threes, too. Ray Allen, fifth in the league in free throw percentage. No surprise there. He's going to do his thing. He's going to make the big free throws at the end of the game to seal the game, too. As a team, second in three-point percentage not a big surprise there based on the numbers I just gave you. First in two-point field goal percentage equals first overall in field goal percentage. So incredibly efficient team making the most of all the opportunities that they are given. And you have six players on the Miami Heat with more than 40% plus 40% three-point field goal percentage versus a single player, Larry Bird, had a better than 40% chance from a three-point range. So whereas Bird, very efficient, good for him, he cannot match the shooting of six players. He cannot match the efficiency of six players that are shooting the same amount of three-point percentage as he is. So overall, I think the X factor for the Miami Heat is going to be the efficiency making the most of all their opportunities.
1: That's definitely what they did high percentage shots. And I think the biggest thing that we figured out from modern day NBA to the the past is that three point shooting, um, you know, bird, just because he was such a great shooter, that's how he was in Indiana. That's how he had to be successful in the league. Um, he was shooting a lot more than his teammates, probably just had a lot more confidence, but yeah, you can't, uh, you can't bat an eye at that man. Shane yeah, I remember him. Great shooter. Mike Miller, it was streaky, but a good shooter. But we'll see, man. We'll see what the simulator says. I got a feeling that 40-1 and home record is really going to help me out.
0: Yeah, that 40-1 home record, I'm not going to lie. It's a little scary. But, um, yeah, without further ado, let's see who would win in a seven-game series between the 2012-13 Miami Heat and the 85-86 Boston Celtics. I, I, I always tell this, pe- this story about Larry Bird. I remember him. He was cursing under his breath. And I asked him, I said, Larry, what's going on with you? He says, you guys are being disrespectful to me. And I says, what are you talking about? He says, you guys are putting a white guy on me. That's disrespectful. Wait, who's the white guy you put on it? I can't remember who it was. I just started laughing. I had no comeback. He says, says, it's disrespectful when y'all put a white guy on me. And I'm sitting there like, I'm laughing in the middle of a game boston celtics uh with a one game advantage record so they are going to be having home field advantage so we are going to start in boston for game one sound good camp yes sir here we go all right let's see who wins game number one and the boston celtics win game number one at home oh boy here we go 99 to 91 And you have an incredible stat line by your player of the game, Larry Bird, 32 points, eight rebounds, five assists, five steals, and one block. Some sticky fingers there. Some sticky fingers.
1: I don't know if it's going to, if that'll last. I got a feeling LeBron and D-Wade are going to get together and say, guys, what the fuck was that?
0: five steals yeah LeBron 10 rebounds five assists but only 19 points Dwayne Wade actually leading the heat with 26 points but um yeah that is uh that is a tough one to start off the game with so let's see so let's see who wins game number two back in Boston and there we go the Miami Heat pulling it to one and one honestly We got one at home from the Boston Celtics. I'm I'm pretty happy. I'm, I'm happy with that. The Miami Heat winning 102 to 87. Oof. Oof. And you have your player of the game, Dwayne Wade. 28 points, one rebound, seven assists, two steals, and one block. So yeah, you have those defensive numbers coming in handy for Dwayne Wade.
1: I hope never again i hope never again i hope that
0: dj does what i
1: want next time game three i need well yeah dwayne wade had two great games i need him under 15 points
0: yeah lebron 17 points not a oh but nine nine rebounds nine assists he almost had a triple double in this game actually despite not being the scoring leader uh but a good a better showing from lebron overall stat wise but um so let's see, we're headed to South Beach. How do you think Larry Bird likes the uh, likes the beach, huh? Do you think he's a big beach guy, Cam?
1: I think Larry Bird probably loves the beach in the offseason, but during the NBA Finals, he doesn't give a damn. He said, give me back to Boston.
0: He was on fire this game. The Boston Celtics winning 121 to 112. Ooh. Wow. that That is quite the turnaround. Larry Bird, 34 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists, 4 steals. How is Larry Bird getting so many steals? Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: He's just at the right place
0: at the right time, baby. LeBron James showed out to 43 points, nine rebounds, five assists from King James, oh my and God. they still lost. Oh no! Just not enough. <laughs> well,
1: let's see. We're still in Miami, Game Four. If we could, if we could sweep the first two at home, that's huge. Let's see.
0: But they do not. The Miami Heat pulled it even, two to two, one hundred and twenty, absolutely dominating the Celtics, one hundred and twenty to eighty-eight. Wow! That's LeBron James is your bad. player of the game, twenty-seven points, six rebounds, six assists, one steal, one block, and you have your big three all scoring twenty-plus points in this game. Mario Chalmers chipping in with twelve, Ray Allen with eleven. Yeah, and nobody on the Boston Celtics
1: above 16 points. Okay, game five. We're back in Boston. Uh, I think this is the McHale game right here. Let's go run it. Come on,
0: Kev. Player of the game, LeBron James. Ah. The Miami Heat win 105-97. to 97. Damn An it. Eight-point win, LeBron. Coming up big, 29 points, eight rebounds, six assists, three blocks from LeBron James, Dwayne Wade chipping in with 21, Chris Bosh with 14. On the other side, you have Bird with 24, Johnson with 17. Kevin McHale, eight points, oh, nine man. rebounds, five assists. Not a factor right you now. You cursed him, Cam. You cursed him. You you put too much. He's the, he's the second guy. You can't put expectations on him.
1: You're right. That's too much pressure. All right, I relieve him of the pressure. Larry, do your fucking
0: job. Kevin Relax. Right. It's back on back on Larry. Miami Heat up three to two. Can they close out in six in Miami? <laughs> Boston Celtics tie the series three to three, one hundred and three to ninety six. Any guesses on player of the game, Cam? One oh three to ninety
1: six, man. Uh did is McHale is he is he on a revenge
0: tour? Is it McHale? 17 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks for Kevin McHale, making him the player of the game in Game 6 yes, yes. Of, this, of this series of NBA champions. Robert Parrish actually leading the Celtics with 23 points, but on the other side, James with 25, Wade with 28, Bosh with 10, but unfortunately, no one there to back them up. Shooting 4 of 16 from three-point range is not going to cut it, guys. I can't believe we're going to Game 7 in Boston.
1: <laughs> 40 and 1. If if they lose, I'll be a little pissed. Now that it's home, I'll be a little pissed.
0: Cam, I've I've lost so many in a row. Just please.
1: <laughs> you got to be praying to the what-if sports gods right now.
0: Come on, man. Here Keep, we go. You got to... Oh, you got it. The Boston Celtics win game seven. Oh, no. <laughs> the Boston Celtics win game seven 122 to 111. How is this possible? Oh, Larry Bird 32 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists, and five steals cam
1: dude i that's a game changer sticky fingers we need to go change his Wiki, his wikipedia page to sticky fingers bird Birdman even showed
0: up with 12 points in this one what is happening oh my
1: gosh wow that's rough jay i'm dude i'm so sorry as a guy that was in the rut early in the season i can tell you
0: it ain't fun and i can see it right now I can't believe it. Every single person on the Boston Celtics roster scored points. Every Rick Carlisle scored seven points. Ricky! <laughs> well that sums up the ultimate sports mashup today. A uh, very a very good episode. Happy we did the NBA. Not sure what we're going to do next week, but um, you know, we will uh we will be getting back to you and uh hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to tell a friend. You you know I I know that you know somebody who liked the Miami Heat, you know, in this era that became a Miami Heat fan that wants to relive the glory days and uh and remember them you know losing in 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 game seven uh (laughs) anyway make sure to follow us on facebook and instagram those are our social medias um if you want to interact with us send us a message if you have an idea for an episode that is the best way to get in contact with us but that is all we have for you today on episode number 16 of the ultimate sports mashup two historic truly historic great nba teams came into battle And only one left is the ultimate champion, the 85-86 Boston Celtics. If you, like I said, you want to continue to travel back through the sports time continuing with us, Facebook, Instagram, message us. Tell us who you want to hear from. Tell us which sports you want us to go to. You want us to go somewhere off the wall? We'll be there. But um, until the next sport in the next decade, I've been Jay. And I'm Cam. And we'll see you next time.